Ladies and gentlemen, it is game day eve. We are 24 hours away from taking on the Wake Forest Demon Deacon, so you know what that means. That's right. We have another Know Your Foe, and we have Cam Lemons, the bro, the Wake Forest genius, and also the head of tailgates of Wake Forest. But I'll tell you about that and more on this edition of Locked On Seminoles. Let's ride. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today we have another Know Your Foe. We have the one and only Mr. Cam Lemons DeBro, a.k.a. the head of tailgating at Wake Forest, a blogger so dear at SB Nation, and also Demon Deacon Digest at 247 Sports. Cam, what's going on, my guys? Your third time on the show. Hey, man, third time, best time. Thanks for having me back. I'm like, this is what I, I said earlier to somebody, I love talking to the fsu guys like i think you guys are some of the best kind of have media people around um, I, I always had a lot of fun talking to you guys <laughs> i mean dude it's a it's a great time to have you on here like like folks for those of you who don't know like cam like he was one of the first guests we actually ever had on Knowles anonymous back in our in our smaller days but now we have a stream yard <laughs> we got a banner we got a ticker down below so to make sure to follow cameron where all his content is but we're gonna talk about that cam we're talking about the game this weekend game tomorrow the wake forest demon deacons come down in tallahassee before we start with everything, I do want you to address the comments made by one Mr. Dave Clausen, apparently <laughs> comparing us to one Vanderbilt, and also basically, you know what? I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. What do should we actually make of those comments, or what do you make of those comments? I I heard I was I was watching the press conference, so I wasn't actually in town for his um, press conference, but I saw him streamed and everything. And I mean, as a whole, my first instinct was. I don't think he's checked the actual forecast since the day before, because honestly, like I, I think if you checked Sunday or Monday morning, you would have been like, Oh, Hey, is this game getting played? Cause that was my first thing. I didn't know this game was getting played. Um, and so that's why I was like, you know, what? I think he might've just checked it then. And then when, you know, talked to our AD John Curry, when you guys handle this, I'm going to go focus on the game. And I know there, I know there have been parents on the Wake Forest, um, like, like Wake Forest were a roster that have, were worried, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and even today, they like reached out and were like, is this playing? Yes, no. So I don't think he necessarily brought that up on his own. I think there were legitimately parents concerned about it. And they definitely were concerned, so not 100%. Yeah, and it's it's their kids. Like, we would all be concerned about our kids. And, and also, a lot of a lot of us aren't from Florida. We have no idea. Like, like some of my Florida friends are like, oh, cool, I'll just get I'll just get out there with my lawn chair, a beer, be fine. I'm like, I don't know, man. But, I mean, so I, that part, I didn't really, I just kind of moved on with and the whole thing about the Vanderbilt thing, I get, you know, that little clip of it, like, oh, like it might be like the Vanderbilt game. If you told me on Tuesday that a team, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Tallahassee isn't necessarily like this huge, it's not Atlanta, it's not, it's not like uh, Knoxville, like there aren't like 50, 60K people there that can just, that can fill up the stands by that. A lot of, I feel like a lot of the FSU fans will drive from three, four, five, six hours away. And it's like, if you're in that sort of zone of like, I'm three to seven hours away, I just got told all of the, because I think what was two or three hours before was when we heard all of the students, the classes got canceled for the entire week. It's like, okay, cool. What environment am I going to expect by just that little bit of information? And I I thought that made sense. You know, I, would I have put it that way? No, it made sense. But all in all, it's just like, 
I don't care. Like, I, I, I've been. <laughs> he wants Sire to be here. He just wants the football to I play. Just, I just want to talk about cover two, cover four. You know, what's going on with, uh, with what Jordan, talk about Jordan Travis being really good. And I think Dave's really complimentary about Jordan Travis. And he was actually really complimentary about Mike Norvell, Norvell and being like, hey, like, Mike's been really good at blending what he had coming in from the last regime and the transfer portal. And I was like, I'd love, I would love to talk about that, not just like looking for shots to take at, at these things. I'm just like, Whatever, man. I just, I just want to play football. <laughs> I mean, basically, you're just like, "F it, we ball." Let's just get, you know, you know, go on the gridiron real quick and play it up. So, right. you know, we'll go past that. But uh, I think, that, I think Dave Claus is going to understand that actually. When which I think we're a sold out crowd now. I think all student tickets yeah. are given out. Which is, listen, you want to pack Doke? I mean, you want the experience? We'll give you the experience because that's something that we need, especially now with an FSU team that is undefeated and is four zero with their first real big test against a Wake Forest team that is really, really damn good, Cam. And I kind of wanted to ask, what was your expectations heading into the year? And also, like you did, ha- we did hear that you know what happened with Sam Hartman heading into, I guess, week one, but came back week two. So, how basically have been the emotions at Wake Forest overall over the past month? Um, I think it's been been a, a fun little, little roller coaster. So, I mean, going into the season before the blood clot really happened with Sam, I mean, it was you know you're competing for an ACC title. Um, you're, you're you're trying to your your only hump that you haven't beaten this year. Is Clemson, but outside of that, every game on your on your schedule is winnable. There are some patches that are kind of rough, and then you know Sam gets out. I remember being on vacation and getting a text, being like, "Wake up! Like you gotta you gotta be around for this." And I was like, "Oh God, this sounds terrible." Um, you learned Sam was out, and you know it was an unspecified amount of time, and you know you know un, uh, and it was like you know you hear that some of those things you gotta get worried, and it's like you know does that mean is it in two weeks? Is it November? None of us knew. Like absolutely none of us knew. And then, you know, you kind of have the murmurs coming back around. It was after week one where, I mean, I know it was VMI, and that's the the stamp of it is VMI. Mitch Griffiths looked really, really good. He actually looked, did, he yeah. Looked, he looked great. And so everyone was like, you know what? You know, I think we can win eight, nine games with this. Also, I thought the line when, they, when Sam was out of six and a half was just the dumbest thing ever, like the win total. Like, I, yeah. they, you, went from, you went from a nine and a half to a, to a, a juiced six and a half. Come on now. Um, yeah, but I thought it was really – Aaron was in kind of a weird place. And then we heard Sam was coming back for Vanderbilt and, you know, everything was really like, okay, cool. We, you know, we can compete for an AC title, but the one big thing is Clemson and, you know, competing in those big games. And I thought that's something that Wake has not necessarily done the best of in the last few years. And I mean, especially Sam Hartman in the last few years. And then you have last week and I was in the stands last week and, it hurt. I'm not gonna lie. That one. That one hurt. I would say, like, is this considered live tweeting? Because I remember you live tweeted against Liberty, <laughs> and that game was like a roller coaster. Following you on there, and then again, Clemson. I'm like, oh, I feel bad for Cam because you were yeah. you were this close. This you were so close. you were so close. And and I know Clawson and all the players told us this week. You know, there's no such thing as moral victories. However, I do think there is a bit some things you can take away from it. And one thing is, I think Sam got the monkey off his back of playing in big games. He didn't throw a single interceptable pass. Um, besides the last one, excuse me, besides the literally last pass of the game, he was electric all game. And that was the offensive line hold up all game. And it was just something it was like, it felt like for the first time in since I've been around and really since I guess 2006, that Wick belonged. Win or lose, it felt like Wick actually belonged. <laughs> no, and I mean, that's something that we've seen over since Dave Clawson actually has probably taken over that we had a show, I mean, a few months ago. This is back when basically all of us were not against Norvell, but we were still kind of wondering if he's the guy, whether or not. Right. And we, we looked over all the head coaches in the entire conference. And from when Max and Dave were with me, it was resounding that, yes, of Dave Claus, and like, I would take him in a heartbeat because of what he's actually built and cultivated over at Wake Forest. And also because like you sneakily also are becoming 
not wide receiver you, but you've produced wide, productive wide receivers at the college level for so much with Jacor yeah. Roberson last year and then Sage Surratt the year before. And then now you have A.T. Perry. And then you still have other weapons on the outsides too as well. So right now, this Wake Forest offense is probably one of the more dynamics in football. So that kind of brings me to what's the bread and butter of your offense. And that is the mythical, much talked about all week, <laughs> the long mesh, right? So I wanted to ask you if you could explain what this long mesh is basically to our audience. How is it different? How is Sam Hartman and Dave Clawson so effective with like what is it? What do they do to make it so effective? And what do defenses need to do to kind of like stifle it if they if they can't? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it starts up front with the offensive line. Um, it, it's really weird because the offensive line it is a bunch of undersized kind of guys, and they're you're never none of the. I think there's one offensive lineman on Wicks on Wicks uh, roster that's over 305 pounds, which is kind of weird when you think about. That's, oh, strange. Like, that, that's strange, actually. Yeah. Yeah, like you think, oh, you know, we need a bunch of 330 pound behemoths. Like, no, I mean, with the speed that they're going, you know, it's like you you can't have those 330 pound guys. But I mean, it starts up there. The guys really are good about just making sure they're not getting beat off the block. But when they get the ball to Sam's, when they snap to Sam, it's it looks like a regular RPO. It's really just Sam's reading. Um, Sam's just going to kind of read the defense, see what he gets him. A lot of times people think he's reading the linebackers. He's not reading the linebacker. He's actually reading the safeties. So when he gets the ball, he's reading to see whether you're playing single high, two high. He's seeing are, are one or both of the safeties coming down into the box. If, one, if, if that answer is yes, then that ball is going over the top. And we saw what exactly what happened against Clemson last week, which was just you're not going to be able to stop because I don't think there are many corners in the ACC that are just good enough to handle these receivers. If the safeties are um, are just staying up, okay, that's where the second part of this kind of goes is, all right, what are the linebackers doing? Are the linebackers coming in to try to fill a gap? If they're coming in and trying to fill a gap, cool. There's a tight end. There's a there's a slot receiver that's probably coming around the slot over the middle. There's probably someone that's or someone going on an out route. Get the ball out. You're fine. Cool. If the linebackers are staying, are kind of just kind of staying back in the zone, hand the ball off, take your four yard run, go from there. Okay, I mean that's great to hear with that. And I mean we do you know Jamie Robinson was all ACC I think defensive like nominee for this past season heading into the year, and also Akeem Dent you've seen kind of take the next step forward actually of uh, being that five star blue chip prospect and also playing himself into NFL draft consideration. So let's move forward to basically both sides of the ball. But first, Cam, do you do any fantasy? I do a fair amount of fantasy actually. <laughs> you ever heard of you ever heard of underdog fantasy? Uh, I have. I haven't dabbled in it. I've been meaning to. I don't know if it's legal in DC, but if it is, I need to try it out. <laughs> well, if it's legal in your area, like this episode today, folks, is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up all your college football season, whether it's taking over Sam Hartman's completions over, Jordan Travis completions over, because there will be a lot of passing as we discuss defense later on oh. the show. And then also, in my personal opinion, look towards also Trayshawn Warren and Trey Benson over rushing yards as well. But head over to Underdog Fantasy today, sign with the promo code locked on. That's one word, L O C K. E-D-O-N, and our dog will double. That's right. Double your first deposit up to $100. Math is 2 times 100. That's 200. So <laughs> deposit of 100. Get 100 for free. So go to underdogfantasy.com today or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Underdog Fantasy, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Now, Cam, when we first met you, you were the big, big Jamie Newman stand. I, oof, I love that guy. <laughs> and you, so, and but slowly I've seen you kind of not embrace, but like love to see kind of what, what Sam Hartman has been to this team for the past few seasons. So I do wanted to ask, how have you seen Sam Hartman, uh, I guess, evolve as a quarterback since basically was first, you know, true starting season like two years ago up until the, this point now? 
I mean, it, besides him putting on 30 pounds of muscle, because I remember, I mean, it, this is, it kind of dates me. His freshman year when he came in and early enrolled was my senior year, my senior spring of college. Like one of my friends was a senior advisor and I'm just like, wow, that was four years ago at this point, almost five. Um, and you know, it's, it's really weird because when I saw him, I came in, I was like, okay, this is this really kind of scrawny kid. And then you, then when I remember being out of college and everything, I'm going, ah, well, he's getting the starting role against Tulane in 2018. And that first kind of year, it was just caution to the wind. It was, he thinks he can make every throw and he's going to take every throw. And, you know, sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not great. And I remember kind of touched on it on back then of like against teams that weren't, that they were just better than. He did very well against and then teams that have equal or better talent than he didn't do that well against. And you've kind of seen the slow progression even after the 2019 season where James took over, but like, like in, in 2020, 2021, and then this year started being, I guess, more careful with the ball. He, he still thinks he can make every throw and you want that out of your quarterback, but he has started being more hesitant and being like, okay, I shouldn't take this throw. And then I, I think, I, I think in 2020, they didn't really want him running that much because they weren't sure about what was behind him. But last year and even this year, you've started seeing him take off more and more of his legs. And it's been like, that's that extra added thing that I think the offense needed. And it's been great. And then we saw it last week where, you know, the last week and the and two weeks before that, where he just didn't want to throw interceptions and didn't throw interceptions. And it's like, that's the next step is just taking care of the football. And it's been a really nice thing to see. And it's something else because like you basically, I remember you had a tweet earlier on the year where, I think someone I forgot who ranked the quarterbacks in the entire conference overall, yeah. and you saw several names ahead of him. And I know your opinions on Fodrakovic and Tyler <laughs> Van Dyke and even Brandon Armstrong too, but it, it, there was something disrespectful about Sam Harwin kind of being outside that top five. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it. I understand if there is a there is a thing of him not performing well in big games. However. You can't sit here and say he did something last year that the only people that have done that were Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson and be like, ah, he's not a top five quarterback in the league. Cause it's like what like it, it didn't make it doesn't make sense. Like there was there was I, I love I love Lee Cunningham. I think he's a very electric guy. I mean, Devin Leary has has one of the biggest arms I think we've seen. Um and York and and, and TBD and Brian Armstrong, you know, there's these guys that have had that had really good seasons last year. But then it's like, what did the guy who did, who did something that was matched by two Heisman winners, like what did he do to fall? And that's where I thought that logic just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> no, I completely understand that. And also, like, it helps the Sam Hartman has like these weapons around him. And then what's funny, like, had, like we kind of didn't know much about A.T. Perry until last season. Right. And then I think all of FSU fans realized that after A.T. Perry, I think had what ten catches for 155 <laughs> yards. And even Jacor, like Jacor Roberson, was the big name heading into the game last year. He only right. had four catches for, I think, around 21 yards. And then, but even this year, it's not the A.T. Perry show. Your no. highest rated wide receivers right now per PFF are Jamal Banks, Donovan Green, and Keyshawn Williams, all graded above a 75. Could you tell us more about those three weapons? Because those are kids that we basically, we might hear their name a lot on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, so when we went into in the fall camp uh, and even after fall camp, Dave Costin was very much, you know, we have three starting guys on the outside. We have we have A.T. Perry, we have Donovan Green, who missed last season, and then we have Jamal Banks, who's in his third year. Donovan is honestly the guy that they thought would have the A.T. Perry season last year. Um, they, he tore his ACL. I remember Dave Clawson is literally about to go up to the podium on AC, on AC kickoff day, and Clawson's like, check your phone in about five minutes. And it was Donovan had tore his ACL. Um, he, was a, he was a four-star kid, um, I think a top 247 prospect coming out of school in 2019. I mean, he's 
someone that just has super muscular build, I think runs in the, the high four fours. He's what I think he's arguably the best athlete on the team. And, you know, we kind of didn't have that. We kind of didn't have that factor last year. And then he comes back this year. And I think he had a, he had a quiet game last, last week. And it was like two catches for 52 yards and two touchdowns. And it's like, I'm glad that's a quiet game. Good job. Um, Jamal Banks was a guy that I really, you know, his first year, his, his whole camp story is he made a, they were doing one-on-ones and he made this insane catch and then just like kind of celebrate about it. And they were like, okay, that's really good, but we don't do that here. Um, and they, you know, they gave him an offer and he, he committed. And the last two years you've seen him kind of flash during camp. There would always be times that he would just be like, he makes this absurd catch that you have, he has no business making, but it only would go for like, you know, it would go for like 10, 15 yards. And then this year during camp, it'd be something that he'd make that absurd catch and then it go for 50, it go for 60 yards. And it's like, that's the progression we needed to see out of him. And that's what we saw there. So, you know, I, I definitely, when Wake, when Nicholson told us we, we had three guys outside, it was a little hesitant, but I mean, we saw it last week. I mean, in the slot, there's Keyshawn Williams and also Taylor Morin as well. I mean, Taylor. Oh, Morin's trust me. Of, I know all about Taylor. Morin. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor is the guy that makes kind of the, the tough catches, but Keyshawn is, Keyshawn's probably the game breaker. I mean, there was a play against Clemson last week where, you know, if it doesn't, there's a, there's a blindside block, but also Sam's helmet gets ripped off and should have been faced back. But there's a play where Keyshawn kind of catches a little, a little out route on like the, on like the field side and then works it back all the way across the field, brings it back up for like a 15 yard catch. And it's just like, there's, there hasn't been guys like that on Wicks team since Greg Dorch. And I remember his, after Keyshawn Williams, first, like freshman year, after that spring camp, I had people telling me he's better than Greg Dorch. And I was like, that is the highest amount of praise you could have ever given him. So let's see it. And then now we are starting to see how electric he is, how like they, they're against Liberty. They don't, they probably don't win against Liberty if he doesn't go up and at being five foot nine and go up and just make a catch in between two defenders. Uh, he's, it, there's just a stable of these guys and it's going to be credit to Kevin Higgins, who's just been one of the better wide receiver coaches in the nation, but he just keeps kind of turning these guys out. I mean, it's crazy. The thing that like Wake Forest is like developing and finding these diamond in the rough wide receivers. And remember last time we had you on here, we weren't able to host the episode due to, due to quality issues, but you did, we, you did discuss with us basically the commitment of Micah Mays, who was a West Palm beach proc down here wide receiver. He actually was slated to attend the game this weekend, but however, due to hurricane, he chosen to, uh, Stay down south, but let me let's go over to the offensive line real quick because one of my favorite players in the NFL draft was Zach Tom, right. and now Zach Tom, I believe, actually is now with the Green Bay Packers. So, yeah. how was the offensive line? I guess fared, you know, because to me, he was the most underrated lineman in the ACC. Was it was Zach Tom? So, I want to know how has the offensive line kind of what's the word I'm looking for withstood like his absence, or or, or was taking a step forward, or had they taken a step back overall? Yeah, I mean, it. it I think it's been fine. Um, it, it was really interesting because also when Donovan Green went down last year, we also learned uh, Jebionte Nash um, went down last year for Torn Peck. And it was something that, you know, it threw, Don- it threw Devontae Gordon, who was a who was in his third year, kind of into the starting lineup as, as a right tackle. So how Clawson's kind of worded this to us this year has been, they really have five starters coming back because Jebionte Nash was supposed to be a starter last year. I mean, and Devontae Gordon started last year. Um, I mean, it's been fine. First game of the year against VMI, I thought they just didn't block as well as they could. I thought they blocked fine. I think they could have blocked a little better. Um, it's been a little bit of cohesion thing, but also a guy like Michael Jurgens missed the first three weeks of fall camp, so they were really just kind of just trying to ease him back in. Uh, second week, I thought against Vanderbilt, I thought they were a lot better. Uh, and then the week before against uh, Liberty, up and down, thought the running backs didn't help them out a bit. Fine. I thought they had their best game ever 
against Clemson last week. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if PFF would agree with that and it's kind of is what it is, but I don't think you can sit there and compare. You can't, you can't sit there and see what they did this year to what they've done every single year against Clemson in terms of giving Sam time and, and to throw the ball and say they were just awful. I think they did a fantastic job of getting, of holding up those aliens on the, they're the, on they're the, the monsters, team. dude. Like that yeah, defensive line's ridiculous. They didn't even have Xavier Thomas, and it was like, oh, cool, you only have three first-round draft picks on this line. Cool, good job. Um, and I think that's if you're trying to get to, like, trying to beat the mesh, that's where you're going to have to win with. So, I mean, the big thing about the mesh is it challenges you. If you ever start bringing blitz, and that's what Clemson did, if you start bringing blitzes, you better pray you get home. Because if you don't get home, that ball is going for 20 yards. But what think what people have had success with in the last, whether it's Clemson, Pitt in the second half of the AC Championship game, Clemson every other year, um, what they've started, what they had success with is winning with four. If you can win up front with four guys and and keep your linebackers kind of like on their assignments, keep staying like a cover two or cover four, you'll have success because you're you're basically limiting all the options Wake can do. If you can't win with four, it gets real, real hard. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense for us. And that basically, I mean, we've been... We're hoping to get Fabian Lovett back this week. I, I mean, I, I personally don't think he'll be back till the Clemson game. Jared Verse, the same thing as well. And also, we saw that Derek McClendon, I think he was actually wearing, was wearing a green jersey towards in practice this week. So we'll see what we have coming in the defensive line. But that's something that's been a strength for FSU. Now the depth is being tested really quickly. But I'll, And also, quickly before we head on to the defense side of the ball, you, you did lose Christian Beal Smith to the transfer portal. I right. believe now he's with South Carolina. Yes. So, and I know Christian Turner was, I think, the, the backup from last season, correct? Like, right, back yeah, him yeah. up. Yeah. So really quickly, uh, how as Chris as the running game, I don't really haven't seen or heard much from the running game of Wake Forest. How is it because yeah. Sam Hartman, your wide receivers? Why would you? Are they actually any part basically of the offense? Are they more of a supplement yeah. or just something that basically you rely on when you need to? Um, I mean, it's it's kind of a you take it as you go. I mean, if the if the offense didn't give you a run play, I mean, defense give you a run play, you go, you take run the ball. Um, I mean, the one thing they've got to learn to be a better job at is just taking the holes when they can get there. With Wake's offense, a two, three-yard run is good. They weren't doing that against Liberty. They were they were sitting there trying to break off big runs, and you know that is why they rushed for like 10 yards or something against Liberty, which was really tough. But in last year, last week against Clemson in the first half, Clemson essentially said, we're going to take the run away from you and hope Sam Hartman can't beat us. Um, bad mistake. Um, and, but in the second half, when, when Clemson went to more of a cover two, we started seeing the running backs actually start breaking off, off runs. Uh, Justice Ellison has really been the guy that's taken over that, that one, a spot. Um, Christian Turner's kind of one B, but you know, it, when, if they're trusting their holes, they'll get three, four yards a clip. It's just, they need to start trusting their holes more. And they, they, they didn't against VMI. They didn't against, against Liberty, but we saw against Vandy and we saw against the second half of Clemson. Like when they did that, it was actually effective. Can you do that consistently? Well, folks, you know, ladies and gentlemen, listen to Cam. You must always trust your holes. Now let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. All right, Cam. Defense last year for Wake Forest. To take to take a word from Cam's Cooper from Lockton ACC, the bar was in hell. It was yeah. not a very good defense. It was very porous. And right now I'm looking over your scores from the last few, the last few weeks. BMI win 44-10. Vanderbilt, improved Vanderbilt team, I'll give you that. 45-25. Liberty. That's the game that I'm pretty sure I thought you were going to have a sort of an episode on Twitter, 37-36. And then last week, Clemson, a newly reformed DJU, a 45-51 loss. So for those first three games, like, is the defense improved? Because even though I will say that Miami might lose all three of those games, so congratulations on winning those, 
what do we take from this Wake Forest defense? Are they actually improved? Because for PFF, they are. Or simply is just like, is it just an improvement of what was a bad defensive unit last year? Right. Uh, I think I, I don't think there's a question it's been improved. I I, I don't want to be the guy that stats are always lying, but I mean you can look at it just for the microcosm of Clemson, for example. For on the the Wake was terrible at defending the run last year, and if you just looked at Shipley's rushing yards last week, I think he had like twenty like twenty carries for like 150, 100, like forty nine yards something like that. He had a fifty nine yard run on the first play of the game. Every other after, if you take that one run out, he ran for two point like two and a half yards to carry the rest of the game. And I was like, okay, cool. You showed against a bunch of aliens that you can stop the run. Like, and I think a lot of the times last year where things went wrong was A, injuries, but B, it was just they missed so many tackles here and there. There would just be coverage bust here and there. It was just things that you just couldn't have happen. And this year, whenever they've kind of given up a lot of these points, especially against DJ, it was. DJ just was just throwing good balls, man. He was just, he was just throwing good passes. There was stuff. There was a few throws that I always went. You just got to take your cap out. Like there was a there was a run at the end. I think it was the the last touchdown they scored in in uh, regulation, where they have Will Shipley just wrapped up with three guys, and on Shipley's fourth effort, he just supermans into it. I'm like, there's there's nothing you can do about that. Like they like, and so I think it's been it's been improved. There's certain things they want to clean up. Like I, I think against Liberty, they they missed a bunch of tackles on that game. And that was like a, okay, you can't go back to that sort of defense, but as a whole, I mean, they've, they've stayed relatively healthy. You know, I think they, you know, Kobe, losing Kobe Davis for the year sucked against, against uh, Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, that score, the score on that also kind of lied too, because they, they were supposed to be a kind of a 40, a 45 to what, 17 game. And then AJ Swan drives down on the, on the bunch of walk-ons. So whatever. I'll, I'll take that. That, that. that kid's good though. I'll give AJ Swans. AJ Swans. AJ Swans good, and I'll, and I'll take that. But it's like it, it hurts when it's like, oh, cool. We could have been a sub twenty game, and then the walk ons give on a touchdown. But, but yeah. So I mean, it's it, it's de- it's been improved. Um, I've really enjoyed how they've started to really tee up on on the defensive line. I really enjoy Kobe Turner. I think he's the number one overall defensive player on PFF right now. You know, a transfer for Richmond. Malik Mustafa body wise has been great in safety. One of the things I think they needed last year was just they just needed more talent. There was just kind of like a mishmash of like their safeties that shouldn't have been playing safety, corners that shouldn't have been playing corner. And I think this year they're just more adept, especially if they can get a guy like Kalen Carson back of like there are pieces at every level that you're like, okay, cool. You're a high, you're not just an ACC level player, you're a high level ACC level player. And one of the things I do remember like last year that you were discussing that it was last year the day before that your secondary was just decimated by injury. I'm pretty sure you actually had walk on to actually play in the quarterback spot. I remember that was some one thing yeah. that you highlighted. What was it, Nasir? Was it Nasir Taylor? Nasir yeah, Nasir, Taylor? yeah, Nasir Greer. Yeah, I mean that was probably last year where they. I mean, after the UNC game, they were down. They were down to about to play a walk on at corner. They were. I mean, Nick Anderson was a walk on at safety, but they were. It was. It was bad. Like it. It was really bad. <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, you're in a lot better spot this year. And like, it starts up with the big boys up front that you've already highlighted Kobe Turner. One of the players that I'm pr- kind of keeping an eye on, that's probably my X factor that our offensive line needs to stop is Rondell Bothroyd. And I kind of wanted you to discuss basically those big men up front because that defensive line sneakily could make some noise, especially because of potential injuries along the FSU offensive line. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a team that that loves to stunt. They they love throwing some little bit of confusion out there. They, they, they know they they want to win with four up front. They, they'll occasionally bring a fifth, but they're really challenging guys like Rondell Bothroy, like Jasheen Davis, like Kobe Turner and Deion Bergon to win up front. And they've done a really good job of that so far of, 
I think last year, a lot of times they would think, I think Luigi Valen was a great guy. And I know he's on the Vikings right now. And I think he was second in the AC in sacks, but a couple of times at the run game, he'd be, he like him, Rondell, they would get too far up in the, too far, like up, up field. And that hasn't been much of a problem this year. We haven't had a problem with people getting too far up field. And I think it's like the, with a new addition of uh defensive coordinator, uh, Brad Lambert from Purdue, I think it was a good thing for them to, he, I one thing he's really been emphasizing. I know it's always coach speak of we want guys to be more aggressive, more aggressive. But one thing they've told us is they just have to think less now. Like last year with I, you know, Lyle's Lyle's a good guy, and I know he's at Duke now, but it, it felt like some things were just being made too complicated for the defensive lineman because they were like either having to cover for injuries in the backfield, or instead of just kind of taking on a block, uh, taking on and just saying when your guy, they're like, well, I need to fill a block here and there. And it's like, no, they're being asked to win this year, and they're they're winning. <laughs> Okay, and then last like the last thing about personnel, and then we'll get to like the more I guess bigger picture stuff of what FSU needs to do to kind of beat up or kind of how to win the game. I know you talked about one player in particular actually being one of your star players or your captain of your defense, and I don't think the folks next to you at home know who this player is. Could you tell me more about Malik Mustafa and actually the importance he has for this defense? Yeah, I mean another another Richmond transfer. I'm sure Richmond's tired of us using their team as a farm team. Um, <laughs> I remember when they, when they offered him in the um, in, like in the summer uh, last summer, and I was like, "This kid!" I, I turned on the Richmond film. And I was like, "This kid just flies everywhere." Um, he's a local kid from from Charlotte. Uh, he he tore his ACL actually in the Gator Bowl. So on December thirty first, he tore, tore his ACL roughly at this point, roughly six months ago. And then we kind of heard, "Oh yeah, he'll be back for fall camp starting like in in August." And we were like, "He tore his ACL like six months ago. What are we doing here?" And they're like, "No, he'll be back." And then we saw him like he had a couple days of non-contact, and then he came through like a week later, like non-contact, like full contact. And we're like, how? And it, and it feels like he's just he's got he's bulked up, he's bought into new safeties coach uh, James Adams, also from Purdue, and really just started being like I think my favorite quote from him is I just like hitting people, and that's just been his big thing. I think he's leading the the team in forced fumbles and in, in sacks. I think <laughs> like which is impressive for a guy that's 5'11", 190 on a good day. Um, He's just been for a guy that's in his what, third year of, of college, he plays like he's in a sixth year. And I think he's one someone that even former safeties for Wake that have been that are in the pros, they're like, Yeah, no, he's an NFL level safety. He also leads your team in sacks. Did you know that? Yeah, that's which is weird. I don't know if, if you want your safety leading team in sacks, but I, mean, I, I did see the Clemson game. I remember specifically that day. I'm like, who the hell is that guy? Because you're right. He's really quick to the ball carry. And just like, right. he also, the way he hits is like, it's Cam Chancellor-esque. It's really yeah. damn violent, but it's like controlled violence. Is like, right. I think the best way to put it. Yeah. So, so then I'm, I'm excited to have him back. I know he separated his shoulder, um, which was, sounds really painful last week. Um, but I mean, he I, I, he was on a death chart this week and I think I think he'll play. But yeah, it's it's fun to have him around. <laughs> that separated shoulder, you would not hear from me for about a month. I wouldn't be yep. nowhere near that field. But yep. <laughs> Cam, let's do big picture now. Since you are the preeminent voice and mind for Wake Forest football, and you've obviously you've watched enough tape on Jordan Travis, you see yeah. he's a much more improved passer, especially from the past few seasons. What are the keys for Jordan Travis and his FSU office to somewhat exploit this Wake Forest defense? And also on the other side, what does Adam Fuller need to do to not stop Wake Forest? Because I don't think, yeah. and if Clemson was able to do that, they would have done it last week. How are they able to, I guess, minimize the damage against Wake Forest defense? I mean, FSU on offense. I mean, first it's just mentally exhausting wake force you know how, the question is how much does wake have left in the tank of for from last week i think that's a very fair question to ask i think they have enough i think i have a lot of tank left but i think it's a 
you know, if Wake gets down 14 nothing, 17-3, you know, do they have enough in the tank to, to kind of come back there? If you start fast and you kind of mentally exhaust them, I think you can do that. And honestly, I think the best way for the, for FSU to do that this this week, and I think what Wake's going to try to, I think Wake's going to try to take away the run game. I I don't know how much they'll take away from Benson and Ward, um, and LT. Like I think those guys are really really good. But if Wake does take away the run game, Jordan Travis got to be got to continue to make the throws. We've seen him seen him make the throws. Like I, he's he's got to make those throws. I think you'll want to test the Wake Forest corners um, as much as you possibly can. If they're if you're if you're hitting them cool, if you're not, then you know you'll got to figure something out there. But I think you've got to start fast, and I think you've got to see how what big shots you can take there. Defensively, I mean, it's it, you got to you just got to win up front. Like I think the reason Wake lost last week is because they were I think there were like three or four reps towards the end of the game that Brian Brzee, um, Tyler Davis, and Miles Murphy just flat out won. Like it's just like those like those guys just on separate plays just won a rep, and that was it. If you can't do that against this team they're gonna eat you alive like there's only there there's only so many throws like sam Hartman isn't gonna have this a, a bad game throwing out routes every single time like at a certain point especially if you're playing a lot of cover two cover four which is what i think fsu is going to do if you're gonna let him get into nothing but rhythm throws at a certain point those rhythm throws become deep shots and if you're not getting home and you're not really rattling sam hartman at all there's not there's not much you can do there. But if you can get if you can get there with four and even five, I'll even, you can say if you know if you can get there with five, then you'll stand a better chance of, of keeping yourself in and seeing, you know, can I can I bait Wake into into throwing some some turnover worthy um throws? Can I bait Wake into running when they really shouldn't be running? Hmm. See, Cam, this is why I love having you on here, mainly because I was going to ask you specifically about the Clemson game. I love how you were you know, jumped right into that because that was an ta- emotionally <laughs> taxing game and like Having an overtime game like that, you're that close to winning, and like you lose that game, that's definitely gonna be weighing on the minds for them, especially doing a, a travel week. And now, prediction time. One, you've never, ever, ever picked FSU to win this game, <laughs> and I know you're not gonna do that today either. So I want you to give me really quickly one player in offense, one player on defense, not named Sam Harmon or not named one of the ones names that we listed that FSU fans should watch out for, and then give me your not only a prediction, but also where's your money going from our friends <laughs> about line. Um, on offense, um, I'll probably go Justice Ellison at running back. You know, I think it's an easy answer to go a wide receiver, but I think, like I said, I think I think FSU is going to go to like a as, like a soft cover two man, you know, cover four, and just say, let let's get you. You can get your your yard to the ground, and if and we'll go from there. If Ellison can can pop a couple runs and make them have to start respecting the respecting the pass, I think it'll go a long way, and I'm I'm really interested to see that. Defensively, I think I think it's got to be. Ugh, who's gonna cover John Wilson? That dude's six seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. That dude is Johnny Quest. That man is on a quest to just ruin defensive back <laughs> careers. The way he just treated Jarvis Brownlee like his son in Louisville, it was just oh, that, that was just great. that was just not okay. That was great. Also, yeah, you guys are very happy Jarvis Brownlee isn't here because I'm pretty sure AT just destroyed Brownlee last year. Okay. <laughs> he, yeah, I yeah. like Brownlee actually a lot, but I was like, yeah, he got he got yeah. cooked. He got cooked. I'd probably, I'd probably go Chalen Garns. Um, I know he's, he's a bigger safety. He's one, one of my one of my favorite players on, on the team. I think that Tula probably have kind of over the top on on Johnny Wilson a bit. They'll play him in the box a little bit too. He's kind of it's kind of all over the place. Um, he's he's essentially just a linebacker that is just a little bit a little bit too light, and so you know he doesn't have necessarily the whole much of speed, but he hits hits pretty well. So I I, I think I'm interested to see where they use him on Wilson. I'm interested to see where they use him on the run game prediction. 
I, I've, I've kind of sat here around and I've, I've kicked around 41, 31 wake. Um, I, I have, I, the over I've taken wake. I've, I've, I was so worried about it being wet and windy and now it's like a perfect day. So I was just like, this is fine. Um, I'll probably have wake first half team total 13 and over 13 and a half. Um, I thought that was a steal. Um, but I, I think the biggest reason why I'll pick wake is I think I know what wake is. I think the first four, four or so weeks of the season, you're not trying to find out who's elite. You're not trying to find out. You're not, you're not trying to find out who's elite. You're trying to find out who's bad, who's terrible and who's above average. And I think these are two, I think these are two good to above, to above average teams. Like I, I think they're two, two like upper teams right now. But my question right now for, for, I know what wake is right now because I think they'll get back some people this week. Um, they're trending healthy, and I know that I know they've played a really good team in in Clemson. I don't know that about FSU right now. I think FSU has, has shown a lot of really good things. I think they've shown a lot of I think they've shown a couple bad things, but the really good things have come against arguably the worst team in the ACC in in uh, Boston College yeah. against Duquesne. I mean LSU. I have no idea what to think about LSU. I, I know LSU record wise looks really good. LSU has played what Southern, uh, a not great Mississippi State team, and then I, I don't remember who their third win was against, but uh, uh, New Mexico. I think it was New Mexico or New Mexico yeah. State, and they yes. play Auburn this week. Yeah, so so they put they've so they've played really three like they played two terrible teams and one fine team, and so I'm like, you know, is FSU is LSU that good? I don't really know. Is Louisville that good? I didn't think Louisville was that good coming into this year. I thought I, I thought they well, were Scott fr- Stafford's a joke, so. Yeah, yeah, he is. I thought that team was fraudy. And so, and I and I think, you know, on the health questions of until I know more about who's playing offensively and defensively on the line for FSU, you know, I'm until I know they're in, I operate like they're out. And so if I'm operating like they're out, my question is, you know, how does how does FSU get pressure? If they're if I'm offer if I'm bring as you know, you guys are already missing you know, Caden Miles and plus Harris. How do I operate with, you know, you guys are missing like another another third guy and Robert's kind of left tackle, you know. I think one of the big reasons that FSU was so inconsistent last year, I think everyone knew it was because the offensive line couldn't hold up. But also think, Mackenzie Milne threw four picks. Mackenzie Milne threw, oh, I, I don't mean that game. I just mean the season in general. Oh, this is a whole time. Yeah, season in general, yeah. I mean, part of it was the offensive line. You guys couldn't snap the ball half the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was, I think you guys can snap the ball this time, but it's like, you know, if you're missing three guys that were either vying to be starters or – Full on starting, that's a big ask, even for a mobile quarterback. It's a, it's a really big ask, and you know, the second he starts taking more and more hits, what happens there? And you know, I really, I'm, I have been so impressed with Jordan Travis this year. I don't want to, I don't want to leave without saying that I've been so impressed. I, I didn't think he was necessarily bad, but I didn't think he'd be this. And it's been amazing to watch what he's done. And it's been amazing to watch Micah Pittman run like a running back, like catch a ball and just turn into a running back with the ball. Dude, he's like he's like Debo Samuel the way he just runs over people and yeah. just like literally he's, he's just literally he's a pit bull out there. He literally yeah. will bowl through you. Like what's the Marshawn Lynch video where it's like you know people yeah. want to get hit in the face over and over and over again? That's like that's yeah. Micah Pittman out there. Yeah, and so I and so I really love the offensive pieces, you know. But my question just is until I know people are in is just can they hold up against an actually good defensive line? I don't know that right now. And I'll look at that on, on the other side, like. You know, if can if FSU can't win with four, if they're missing play players, which I don't know if they are right now, then it gets really, really tough, and you're about to put a, re- a lot of strain on a secondary that I like Duke Cooper. But on the other side, I'm like, you better hope Jamie and, and or Kimi can get there. 
Yeah, I'm about to say, because like, I do like Kevin Knowles. He starts slow, slowly at the gate, but you can see definitely the confidence for him is actually picking up. And also, I do think that we'll see a little more of AZ Thomas and also probably yeah. spelling of Sam McCall, because I do think we're going to play a lot more uh, uh, second, uh, defensive backs actually out there, because I do think, I know Tatum Bethune is still dealing with an issue. I do believe he's going to play. But like yeah. you said, if this was a fully healthy FSU team from the first game, with, you know, still with Kane Lyles out, I honestly would be a lot more comfortable taking FSU. But yeah. now, knowing the injuries that I do know, I'm still going to take FSU. I think it's going to be one of those 45 to 42 type of games. I hope yeah. it's not that way because you guys went from Nick Skiba, <laughs> who was a very great kicker, to another kid who has actually missed, who hasn't missed anything at all whatsoever in your new field goal kicker. So to me, that's been weird. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't know. You guys have a monopoly on kickers right now. It's really, it's really astounding. But to me overall, this will definitely come down to basically, in my personal opinion, turnover battle because I know at Wake Forest basically has never has has not had a, a negative turnover margin since 2016, and then also basically. With Jordan Travis making sure that he's keeping the ball, because last year the game was 35-14, and that was with yeah. six turnovers. I think four of them were picks, throw them Mackenzie Milton, and two of them were fumbles. So to yeah. me, overall, it's going to come to know who has the ball first, but we all know it's about to be a shootout. And I'm honestly, this is going to be, to me, it's going to be a better game than State Clemson. I think State Miles is going to dominate that game, but I, yeah, I think Clemson, I think Clemson runs them off the field. I I don't I, if you I don't I think the reason Wake was in that game was because they can throw the ball. I don't I don't think State has receivers. Do you want to, you want to make a bet on that real quick before we go? Sure. <laughs> what do you want to do? I mean, I took I already took Clemson six and a half. So, but I mean, I'm down for whatever you want. <laughs> All right, you want to do? Let's do uh, let's do fifty. Let's do fifty. Um, uh, I got NC State, and then you got Clemson. Right. That. Works for me. All right, works for me. Well, Cam. It's always a pleasure having you on. Please let the folks know where they can follow your work and also basically engage with you. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I write at Bloggers Who Deer on SB Nation, uh, Demon Demon Digest of 247 Sports alongside Les Johns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at Cam Lemons underscore. Um, I promise my tweets aren't terrible. I promise. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, unless you're a UCF fan, you won't find your tweets that terrible, or a Miami fan too. Or Miami he, fan, yeah, no, Miami fan, Miami fans, you're you're not welcome here. You're, you are you are. Oh, you no, know, you can take twenty seconds to say whatever you want about Miami. You can, I'll, we can do before we sign off if you want to do that. I I remember being so just distraughtly upset about the late game last week, but you know what brought me joy? Watching a bunch of Miami like offensive people just run into each other and just get like embarrassed. Like it wasn't a game that you know you I would expect some games of like oh cool like Miami like lost but they had like a 70 percent win percentage no they got run up and down the field that was amazing to watch that was so amazing to watch like i you really hired Rex, and we we expect this to happen like we, we don't expect this to happen like and i love josh gaddis and both are doing defensively but the one thing we've had is just this guy that doesn't make quarterbacks good and you think oh it's all of a sudden their quarterback is going to turn good that doesn't make sense <laughs> but it is what it is <laughs> not and my that's money. And that's why we love you, Cam. And for Cam, this was Drake. And we'll see y'all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody, and go on Olds.